Hey everyone, this is DJ Radiant from Ankara, Turkey, and I would like to welcome you to the Loud Creative Podcast, where our DJs delve into a wide range of conversation. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram at Loud Creative Radio. Hey everyone, this is uh, Gary, also known as G Funk, along with DTM. Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, I'd like to welcome you. Welcome you to our Loud Creative Podcast, where us as DJs delve into our colleagues with a little bit more information in detail. Uh, if you can, subscribe now on your favourite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram at Loud Creative Radio. Tonight, we have the pleasure of talking to one of our very own DJs, who is also a producer of his own music, Bram Vank from Holland. Hi, Bram. Good evening, lads. Thank you for having me. Well, nice to meet you. Pleasure's all ours. So, the last podcast we did together, we spoke about our upbringing and our influences in music. Um, and we kind of quoted a lot of the, the stuff that happened in Europe that was influencing us. So, I'm really am quite interested to see how it kicked off for you. What, you know, where where does it start? What's your, what was the genre? What was the tune? Well, um, mine is a pretty long story, but we got an hour, so that's not a problem. <laughs> no, um, to start in short, my grandma gave me a record player when I was six, and that got me to buy records. Uh, and so I, I needed to go to a record store with my mother to buy something to play on that thing. And... Um, I think my first single was Casablanca something. I don't know even by who or what. But that that got, got me going into the music, which later on evolved to playing radio at, at home, eh, the, imitating radio shows and stuff. And that got me in the music deeper and deeper. Um, then a friend of mine moved to the States, and um, he came back once in a while carrying crates of records straight from the states which was generally known then back then as hip-hop which really got me into the breakbeats and to into the flows and that kind of stuff that got me started like really digging into the music instead of making a radio show and just playing records and uh, uh, because of what he brought to to europe that really inf influenced me because we didn't have that here we didn't have a, a vibrant hip-hop scene yet uh, Rotterdam, uh, a city uh, where, where I live closely to, did have some uh, break dance and that kind of stuff. But the raw American hip hop he brought home to me uh, and we started listening to was like, wow. And that kind that's that slowly evolved into hip house and stuff. And um, the moment I knew I fell in love with house music was is a is a very vibrant a memory to me because a friend of mine uh, had a sister one of my best friends and she worked in a coffee shop which in holland is a, a, a legal uh, <laughs> surroundings to be smoking uh, smoking and having a beer and drinking uh, and, and playing pinball i think i was 16 or 17 and so she took us to the and she worked there so she took us to the to the coffee shop uh, there, there was a guy playing house music already, but I, I didn't really notice it because I was like playing pinball and we're in conversations like you do in a bar. But after closing, we went with that sister 
to the club Nighttown in Rotterdam, which is a big, quite a big place and a famous place in Rotterdam. And her boyfriend there was DJ. And so we entered that, uh, that club and that club has a, a long hallway all the way to the to the to the main hall with thick thick metal doors and when you are like th throwing off your coat and uh getting it uh, hung up somewhere you hear like mm, 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 mm. and that's it that's the that's the only thing you hear but then you open those doors and you get blown away by sound and i remember that being like the the first for me, the first time I heard acid music with a, with a beat and those 303s just banging through those doors. And I was like, what's this? Where did I, wh where did I land into? And uh, f from one thing came the other and we, we regularly went and I started getting interest in the guy playing that music who was really tucked away somewhere high up in, in the club. Not, not now, uh, today, the, the DJ is center stage, focus of everything. Back then, he was like tucked away and just playing the records, having some view of a dance floor if he did influence and get the people dancing. Uh, but that was about it. it. It wasn't the star. It was just one of the employees getting the, the club running. And then... I climbed up, there was a balcony and you could watch him. So I, I, I saw his technique and him playing around with the vinyls and I was like, this is magic. And then I knew I wanted to do something with that. Just So I started out as my first real interest in house was also in combination with DJing. And I think we're about in 88 now, some something like that. Uh, 88 nine, to 92 was really where... Uh, I got infected with the virus and luckily enough because uh, I bought second-hand turntables and all that kind of stuff and I went to the to the record stores buying which the guy who played in Nighttown Ronald Molendijk also had a record store so uh, what you hear there was pretty available three streets down from the club itself so uh, you had your list after the weekend i want that one and, and I, how that that one go like ta -ta 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 -ta, and because you didn't know titles and sometimes you could see the title on on the labels but uh then uh, in those days it was if you really had a, a rare vinyl they put stickers on it so you couldn't read it because uh in those days, it was important to, as a DJ to distinguish yourself from the others by playing records the others didn't play. Um, so, uh, but we had, in w at, at one time, in one street, we had about, I think, five record shops. So you could shop all day, all week, if you like. And uh, that's that's the way I rolled into house music and the virus and 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 catching up with 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 what it was and and how it evolved because from acid house it it, it evolved into the more the Belgium genres. Uh, in in Holland they also had a, a the hard style or the gabber or uh, the which I don't really like but it it was big here, and uh, so I'm I'm a guy who grew up with uh, the Todd Terry's and and and. Uh, uh, and, and that kind of stuff. And I, I actually saw uh, the big three live uh, in, in Rotterdam, uh, the Masters at Work, playing together with 
for me, very odd headphones because they just had that one telephone kind of headphone on, which is crazy. And, and, and uh, that, must, that must have been somewhere in 91, 92 or so. So uh, picking up on that, I just start building my record collection and trying to score gigs and stuff. And uh, that's, that's how I got into it and never got out. Well, never got out in 2008. I quit, but in mind, you never get out of that. I always will keep love that music. Whatever I do, the love for the music will always be there. You, you see the other acid house uh, music. Was there a track in particular that kind of jumped out at you at the time? Um, like, say, for example, when we we were talking about music and when what kicked us off as kids, I was 89. And I was in a city at the time, big fun, or I was um, uh, FBI project, Rich in Paradise, or uh, who's the one? I can't remember the. Mm -hmm. um, Soul to Soul, Back to Life, which is actually kind of R&B, as I found out now. <laughs> but you know, was there uh, a particular artist or that? Or that? Well. I when I, re when I when I first met the genre, I didn't know uh, anything about it, and acid was acid, and and I, I do remember all the smileys, but this was before even the first turn up the bass turned up. Uh, th these were the guys like Frankie Knuckles, uh, Carl Gregg, uh, Laurent Garnier, with no names to their names yet, making productions. And um, one 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 thing I always have lacked always remembering the titles is not my strong uh, strong, <laughs> strong my forte to, but i always remembered the images of the labels i going through my record collection i recognized them visually oh that's that one but in titles i wasn't ever that good but this was pretty much the early age even before james brown was dead or still alive oh <laughs> we spoke about that yeah we had a wee conversation about that, that way yeah back. that was one of my tracks I mentioned as well. So these, the, this was like, to, yeah, it was really still underground. And um, one, one, one guy that inspired me in Holland was Dimitri. Uh, and Dimitri was the DJ of the Roxy in Amsterdam. And what he did, he, he traveled and had his connections with the guys in Detroit. So he was the one that brought the Detroit sound here. And Joost van Belle, that's another one, is more, he brought more of the Chicago sound here. And those two are like, yeah, the two godfathers of Dutch, of the Dutch house scene, so to speak. And, and they influenced us, or me. Uh, and then Ronald Molendijk, the guy from uh, the, the club where I regularly went to, he was technically very skilled. Uh, so these three together are like uh, how I was shaped into in the house music business yeah uh, you said you, you got your stuff uh, your equipment and your djing that um how how young were you when you first started officially djing then um were you were you doing hip-hop at the time or were you musicry into acid house or um well like i said i bought but when i uh, before i uh met the house music virus i was into hip-hop but more like imitating radio shows at home. So I had some hip-hop records from the guy, uh, from my friend from, from America, or tapes. And I was like making radio shows, uh, but recording them and then handing them out on tapes to, to anybody else. The mixing really started when I met, when I saw that DJ 
working those decks in the in Nighttown, and then I bought uh, some secondhand sound labs, uh, belt drives. Yeah. Belt, uh, yeah. 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 If you can mix on those, you can mix on anything because yeah. they are not stable. <laughs> they are not stable. The, the 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 pitch is like on or off. It's not. There's no. <laughs> gliding scale in it it's it's uh, so I, I learned to mix on those and uh, with a electo uh, mixer in between or something like that which later on became it became a gemini and then became it became a datec and then became a pioneer so it all grew with me and uh, uh to eventually start producing somewhere in in 99 that, that's great i mean there might be uh, an age gap Per se, between us, your journey is pretty much similar to ourselves in the same respect when it comes to the equipment and the influence of music and how it's progressed naturally as you went on from, you know, mixer to from belt drive. Yeah. Right up to direct drive where you were just like, oh, this is too easy now, come on. I think that's why a lot of vinyl... Uh, DJs and everybody who grew up with that era are quite, um, you know, strong in the opinion when it's like, oh, you're not a real DJ unless you've done vinyl. None of this sync nonsense. It's all coming back, and this is a big thing. A lot of bigger venues, and especially in the UK, are now holding, if they're having big events, they're having one room that's designated to vinyl only. So these guys are bringing it back. Thrill Seekers, for instance, was another big one in the UK last year. Like playing um, a couple Wait, of people like this, a local, some local guys in Scotland doing the exact same thing. And it's coming a big thing, and it was one of the one that was held in Scotland. Apparently, that was the the busiest room. Was everyone DJing on vinyl? Obviously, thrill seekers they they closed the closed the show that evening. But yeah, it's making a big return. You was did you have a preference in like genre then? Because obviously. At some point, you've decided to go over and switch to producing. So, what you were playing and what you actually preferred, li like listening to yourself or making, was it hand in hand or was it different? What I liked and what I was playing was really much in ha hand in hand because one of the, f the 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 perks of being a DJ is playing the music you like, and the trick is to get the audience to like it as well. I I. I'm I'm not such a fan of DJs that that just put out all the hits there. I like to uh, travel with uh, for the audience quite unknown stuff, and take them on that journey and get them hooked on that. So that's that's my signature from the beginning. So I I didn't I really wasn't into the hits. Um, my interest was quite broad. I played trance. I played house. I played techno, tech house, um, just all. If it, if, it, if it to me was a good record and it could find a place in a set, it was there. Um, not limiting me myself to a genre. So uh, that can be a strong side. It can also be a, a, a downfall because uh, if somebody is looking for a real specific sound in a DJ, yeah, maybe that wasn't me. If he was like broader oriented and that's like uh, Laurent Garnier, he plays reggae, he plays funk, he plays it all. Uh, but yeah. th those are the, for me big guys. Uh, Carl Greg didn't limit himself to just Detroit House. He he was inspired by many artists and many samples. So uh, and that's 
that's what I recognize in myself in, in that in that sense. Um, I, I find myself more these days. I, we we grew up with uh, the rave scene in the UK. Then the happy hardcore, and then it was hard house, and then it was uh, trance. Uh, Dave's always loved trance and that uplifting element, whereas I've always loved that kind of funk and the uh, part to uh, tracks. And I find that now um, I have a guilty pleasure for playing techno, but it's not what everybody wants to play. And if you listen to my shows, I literally take people on a journey from um, going from funk, maybe breaks right through to house, progressive house, and trance and techno. It's amazing we can squeeze in an hour, and I think it's so much easier today but um, when you were starting out producing what you know well I, there was a particular reason why i started producing because um um to keep yourself as a dj in the picture uh because many people started to being a dj uh, so the, the market was filling up with djs and um you needed to, to ha add something onto yourself, uh, and that was productions. If you have uh, if you had releases, you were more more interesting to the bookers uh, because you had marketing uh, and, and value in that. And I never was a big shot uh, in in Holland like the Tiestos or whatever. But I did fine. I did nice. I had had a, an extra income from it, so uh, I had my fun with it. But that's why I started producing. But I didn't know anything about producing. I was. But a friend of mine, and, and sometimes it's, it's all luck and timing, uh, who was uh, producing quite big in the in the, in the in the in the Gabber scene in in, in Holland, um, he wanted to switch genres, and he knew that I was really into like broad house music, techno, tech house, whatever. So he needed my feeling for that music, and uh, he could produce it. So I started just watching him. And saying, now, oh, well, I, I want it to sound like that. And I want this in it. I want that chord. And can we play this and this and this? And he was the one putting it into the synths and on, on, the, on, the, on the mixer and stuff. So he took me by the hand and learned how I should do it. So two, two years later, I had, a, I had a setup at home. And the setup was like a small Spirit Folio mixer, an Akai S5000 sampler. Uh, my first synthesizer was an Emu Proteus 2000, and with those three things, I produced my first track, my own my own track. Uh, while with him, I already had a few tracks out there, uh, uh, especially Groove uh, Groove Doctors and Funkstar Criminals, uh, on uh, uh, quite major labels in Holland. Uh, work and and uh, Discovery by Midtown, which are which in those days were major dance labels in Holland. So I was, I was pretty lucky to have him teach me that and, and therefore could develop my own skills and get on myself. Uh, but it, he made more... Back then, the first records I made were about funky house, uh, uh, um, groovy house. Uh, uh, I think nowadays they would call it French house with the filters and the, and, and the disco vibes. Uh, but the funny thing is that was not mainly the things I played. So my production in the beginning and my DJing didn't really go hand in hand on one or two records uh, apart from that. But uh, I didn't mind. I didn't really have the urge to squeeze them in because they were mine. I did have some fun with it uh, playing 
uh, one of our records was, was actually supported by Carl Cox, which is not bad to have. Uh, Funkstar Criminal, uh, one of our Funkstar Criminals, he picked up. And uh, me, myself, I was I was playing on the Fast Forward Dance Parade in Rotterdam. And on the big bridge, I was able to play that tune. Well, that gave such a... Uh, Th that for me are golden moments, and that makes the rest irrelevant if you have that that kind of moments in your career. Well, um, what would you stop then if uh, things were doing so well? Well, would you... um, yeah, that's things in life as well. Uh, the business was changing, especially in Holland. Um, I I did have a normal job next to it, with, with and when I do something, I do it good. So I put in 100% in my day job and I put in 100% in my night job, <laughs> uh, which eventually led to almost a nervous breakdown in 2006 because 80 hours a week and, and, and uh, schedules that were insane physically and mentally somewhere you have to pay for it. Uh, on, but the business was also changing. Um, the commercial thinking got dominant. The bookers always wanted the same names that guaranteed full holes. And uh, and in Holland, you could count the six names that were always on the flyers. And that was also a music style that really didn't touch me. Um, uh, they were names that w before were like Eric E. and Roog were quite good DJs, but they narrowed the sound down to a certain sound which everybody then wanted because uh, club owners disappeared and everybody became uh, a part party organizers for the money. And venues start st stopped with their own house nights, but rented the place out to those or uh, organizers that just were in there for the quick buck. And that wasn't really my business. Next to that, I, s I was on the crossroads in producing. I, I actually signed... A, a publishing contract with Universal, which means this shit gets serious. Mm -hmm. And do I want to ha be a, a, a producer for my living or do I want to be able to sell all my creativity instead of being pushed to, to produce? Those thing, two, two things combined and also the phase in my life where I... Uh, discovered other things in life like kite surfing and that kind of stuff which is a day sport and not a night sport <laughs> um, it 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 evolved eventually pretty gradually that the, the music started to play second or third or even fifth fiddle and in 2008 i had my last gig and it was quite natural i, I was like okay i don't don't want an, another booking I feel fine with it, and uh, in I think two years or three years later, I sold all the studio gear, and one year later, I needed my room back because of the, all those vinyls. I sold the whole vinyl collection, which for me were tools, and not not I was never a collector like I want to have the first pressing or no. I, it were for, to to me it were tools, so I didn't really have any problem parting with them, and that's how I. Be left the business it wasn't it, it didn't feel right anymore the business is so is is is, is a strange business so, because sometimes it's not about what you can do but who you are and who do you know uh, i i've seen i've seen talent that that never got a chance i've seen people that don't have talent that were pushed up 
And I can't help but think um, certain aspects of that uh, clearly are still around today. Yep. But uh, the, the... it will never change. I don't think something that will ever change. Not in this business. People are becoming. No, I, I think people are becoming more aware. Like you said, that it's went from being the DJ was originally the the extra part to it being now the main part. And then it became that you had to be a producer as well, along with the DJ to then going through it. And now it seems like we're adding a third part to that where you're literally starting your own label to go and produce your own thing, to get it out there, to go and, you know, everybody's literally taking on these other extra roles. And like you say, back then, you're trying to run your own day job, you're trying to do that, you're trying to progress to the next level, it gets to you eventually. And it must be a really, you know, one of those defining moments where you, you're like, I can't. What do you mean? When you, when you, when you stopped, you know, obviously, as you said, DJs, you, you went in as a DJ first and then you up it to being a DJ and a producer. And now I find that these days, it's not just good enough to be a DJ. It's not just good enough to be no, a producer. No, you have to be a social media wonder as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I, 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 somehow I got back in, in 2020, and it, it, it does have to do with Corona, but also with people around me. Uh, People around me through all those years start ask, kept asking me, "You, why don't you get back in or make something?" Or uh, because they knew exactly what I, where I came from, and I actually wind up making some productions. I made a production for a friend of mine because his son was in the in the uh, in school had a musical and they need an intro. So I downloaded Ableton demo, gave him thirty seconds of music with a banging intro and. Uh, he went like, why don't you st start doing it again? Well, no. Then my normal work had a had a had a, um, uh, uh, two special days for em employees, like an uh, 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 employee fest of, 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 of work, 2,000 people. They needed an anthem. So I downloaded again Ableton. I made an anthem and just deleted it again. So And then came Corona, and we got all locked up in our houses, and we had to skip our winter sports because everything was closed and I was like okay, <laughs> what can I do when I'm sitting home so I downloaded Ableton again and started fiddling around and I was like okay the winter sports is not is not happening that money is still in my bank and I went like okay this is the moment I went to the store bought a set of monitors downloaded uh, and paid for Ableton uh, uh, the sweet version and it started and then I got back in producing, and but this time I have a different mindset. I make whatever I like. If the rest of the world doesn't like it, that's not my problem. DJing is not a must. Um, I, the fact that I'm DJing on Loud Creative Radio is more coincidence and, and, and uh, because I had a mix lying around of my my own tracks of the last one and a half years. And uh, because I, I got in touch with DTM, 
Uh, he also, he, he's, he, I think you were the one that pointed me out that guest mixes were uh, were a possibility. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I uploaded it and uh, it, it got played. And I actually made that mix for uh, uh, another community I, I'm in, which are like building uh, virtual reality and, and augmented reality insomnium space, where I actually performed a few times for a, a virtual club. Oh, they're there. Uh, and uh, and and because but I'm I'm my plan is not to go out every Saturday anymore to 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 wherever to play DJ. Um, my heart is with making the music, uh, doing a DJ set for radio shows and that kind of stuff is is uh, I'm very happy to. If somebody invites me to a to a nice gig pretty close by, I'm there. But I'm not going back to regular DJing at all. And um, yeah, I'm, the fun is I'm I'm learning every day again. I'm I have a really good job, which I cannot. Uh, I have to make sure I'm not ne neglecting that because uh, <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of responsibilities for a, quite a big co company, and uh, it it offers me the luxury to buy whatever gear I want. Yes, that's why I have this uh, this collection already in in just over two and a half years. It's uh, it's it 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 makes things possible to actually see this as a hobby and uh, that's the mindset it's a hobby i want to do the things i like and of course some aspects of the music business you still run into like anrs that always think that they know it better uh, and one anr uh, thinks it's shit the other anr thinks it's a, a brilliant track so what's going on here <laughs> i i do keep Trying to, trying to push my 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 music through other people. Why? Because I think it's very dangerous. You know that saying: "Don't believe in your own hype." Um, it's very easy to think you make the made the greatest track ever when you are in in your own zone, and then going to Ditto or Discord and and publish it without anybody feedbacking on it or have have to have critics on it. To get you better and that's why i still put myself through all those people to get feedback i can use to get myself to a certain level of producing because taste is taste but the the quality of producing i i find i found that i was lacking in the beginning because i had a i didn't understand the digital world yet because in my world where i came from clipping was a no-go and now clipping is a hard thing to get your loudness up so yeah, <laughs> me as an analog uh, idiot was like clipping. That's a no go. Nof nothing goes beyond the zero. <laughs> and and now we we're talking about true peak leveling and luffs and wh whatever. And I didn't understand. So, and that's the fun thing. Uh, I like YouTube. You can learn a lot. I have some old friends. I I reconnected some to some guys of my old network. Uh, one of them guys offered me. Instant A and R ship at his label <laughs> uh, because uh, he, he was yeah he was really great. I was back in the business and and then you then you see what what value you had then and it's still appreciated. And in the meantime, I'm still learning, learning, learning how to get my productions better and 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 better and better. And I have some nice collabs going on. I love to collaborate collaborate with uh, with people. Northern uh, Project, yeah, yeah Northern um, Project, uh, Sandre Zohar. I'm working also with Sander, which is a, a, a Dutch uh, singer. Um, so yeah, I'm quite happy you said that because 
I now feel quite confident when I played your track uh, on Monday. I got his name right and I didn't murder it. The Saunders you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't so I don't feel so bad now that you've said that. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, and that's really fun for me to to collaborate to get other people in, involved because I think eh, uh, 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 one guy can be good, but I think if you work together and you can, yeah push each other to, uh, to, to other uh, ways of thinking about it or uh, pushing yourself to another level of, of being pushed by somebody else. Yeah, th that helps. That's synergy. And I like that. And, and yes, sometimes you have to like, okay, that's more your thing than mine thing, but we choose your, your, your thing this time. That's not a problem for me. Do you, do you feel that that was something that was missing the first time round? Um, Yes and no, because I started in a collaboration because somebody had to teach me how to produce. Uh, on the other hand, because he was the, uh, the experienced guy, we always followed his path also in genres and styles, and which made it for me very hard to take a different path more to my own genres. And then the most funny thing happened. I made a track together with a, a, a Tony, um, which is called This Time I Rise, which is actually, yeah, quite a, a housey track, the original, that, but the original never saw daylight. Um, and Tony was a, a singer, of, is still a singer, and, and a songwriter and ever. And the only thing I ever never did was make, brought out a trance track. And um, it wasn't a trance, a trans, I, can, I, I made a more progressive version with it with somebody called uh, Roland, Roland K from Remark Records, which uh, doesn't exist anymore. So we had a progressive track, which was, was quite nice up, up my alley of styles. Um, then we went to his label and his label was housed together with First Second. That's Misha Helsloot. Maybe you know the guy. Yeah, First He had, had First Second Records under the same company name as uh, Remark Records. And they asked for me remixes. And we got a remix by Dazzle, which is a Dutch uh, trans DJ, but also by Golden Scan. So the funny thing happened that Bram Vank, who was never a trans guy, who, who never made a trans track, became known because of... And that was the first time my own name was on the, on the, on the, on the record, Bram Vank featuring Tony C., Instead of yeah. Funkstar Criminal, Max Dion, RB Fusion, all those monikers. And I happened to be standing out as a trans track. So from that moment on, I was a trans DJ. But I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it featured in quite a few um, uh, compilations, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. And we were, uh, in 2004, we were uh, also featured on uh, Armin van Buren's State of Trance. And uh, picked up by him, uh, we were played in uh, on the on uh, on the big festivals and, and stuff. I actually was there in the Utrecht Jaarbeurs when uh, Misha Helsloot played the track. I think in front of thousands of people, and I was I was standing there like, oh, this is my track, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, those are the brilliant moments that make worth a lot of things doing what you're doing and i'm not i'm look i'm not looking for the the big fame that everybody knows who i am my year or yeah my year is 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 pretty much okay if somebody sends me a youtube clip 
of a track of mine being played in a club where everybody is having a brilliant time. I don't care that nobody knows it's me, but that's why I put out my music, to entertain other people. And yes, it is very self-fulfilling if you get feedback on that, but I, in the way, if visually seeing people enjoying the music, that's that's... For me, that's uh, uh, that's so much more than having streams or uh, followers on on YouTube on, on on Instagram. Sadly enough, you need that a bit to get your music out there. And uh, but such such a, a YouTube clip is gold. If somebody sends me a clip of hey, your track is being played here, everybody's having a good time. Mission succeeded. Definitely. Yeah. I mean. I, I took a long time out as well music. Um, for me, once it got past 2005, I can't I don't really, real life gets in the way and you, you know, suddenly you become a bar manager and next thing you know, you're working, yeah, ridiculous hours and that. And the same happened to us in the you know, pandemic, COVID, what you want to call it. Um, David, comes out blue as well and says, you know, in a radio station, you want to start mixing again? And I'm like, uh, okay. I mean, we still got the vinyl here. Uh, I was sitting up in my room in my mum's, one of the records, we got back in it. And yeah, I, I was quite happy going to pick up. Did you think the returning the second time round was easier? Um, yes, because my mindset was totally different. Um, of course, the first time also it started from love, love for the music, but then you wiggle yourself into the business to a certain level and then some, somehow some of the fun disappears because of that business. Instead of that, mu the, the, the music starts playing sec second fiddle to the business. Uh, and this time around, I wasn't in there to get back in the business. I just was in there to see whatever i still could do with with notes sounds and create creative things on a on a laptop instead of investing in a complete studio because that's also different from back then back then you had to put money on the table to get your to get your hardware into your house now now if you have a macbook lying around and you install ableton and for 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 a couple of hundred bucks you have a legal version but if you don't want it you just download it in the gray areas and you have a studio <laughs> on your hands. Yeah. So, so the, the threshold to get something going is so much lower, which gives you, I think, more peace of mind in, in trying it. Because if something didn't succeed back then, and you looked around your studio for the, from the thousands of euros or guilders that back then in hardware, you were like, oh, shit. So I gradually build on that, and because I have a, a good job, I can. Th these things to me are toys. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a gadget freak. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a gadget freak. So uh, 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 if I see gadgets, I, I just get itchy and I buy them. Like <laughs> I, I, I have an ele electronic skateboard which I can't use in Holland because it's illegal. But I, I have it because I can buy it, and and I, I pretty much enjoy it very much. Because it's it's close to kite surfing, I like to snowboard. But uh, and those combinations in my life in this moment with my two kids, my wife, it's it's brilliant. 
quite similar to me then. So my my life is not getting in the way; it's helping me. <laughs> <laughs> and do you feel now that you've got this uh, kind of income in that that you're kind of living the the childhood that you wanted? Um, no. I feel that now that can buy. Uh, like a standalone mixer uh, and stuff. I'm probably enjoying listening mixing music more now than I did then. I miss going to the record store and picking that big pile of record and walking away with just one out of probably 20. I don't miss humping the, the records about at a party and that, but I was very late in moving into the digital era too. I, I was kind of very against it but now I, I i i'm the same i like my gadgets uh i had a tonium pacemaker i don't know if anybody knows many about them but this was like a imagine an ipod where you can mix all your 60 gig library and a handheld device it's now an app on a phone <laughs> i'm raging because i paid 300 quid for that thing but you know things always progress and move on so how do you see your music today? Do you, how do you see it progressing? Do you think now with the the type of music that's in style that you're you're finding it easier? This uh, should I dare say this uh, type of melodic techno slash progressive house slash trance. Yeah, I think that's that's something that helps me at the moment. Like I said, I was interested in in many genres. I I I, I like trance. Leak One Point Zero is is a, is an underground trance record from then. I played it. I played uh, Avalanche by Marco Carola. I played it. I played all the minim. I I the minimal hype was not really mine. The uh, Villa Lobos and that kind of guys. Uh, Richie Alton did a bit. I had some of that, but. It now all blends together for me in 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 what we call melodic, because it melodic has ha, can have a a, a, a bass fundament uh, from trance, but it can also have an electro fundament in in the basses. It's just throw your shit together and and get it out there. Um, <laughs> and yeah, what I always found difficult is placing the music in boxes like this is house, this is techno, this is tech house, this is blah de blah, this is <laughs> and. To me, and, and now it's still difficult because some genres in name have really got a different load to them. Progressive House back then were the Anthony Papas and the Bad Rock label. Progressive House now, Progressive, is close to EDM. If you, if you ask an 18-year-old guy. Um, so there are now, there are now two... two streams of progressive old school progressive and new style progressive i don't know i, I get confused uh, the same <laughs> is with tech house <laughs> tech house was a very subtle genre with with the likes of uh funk the void making it great jack the marseille uh, but now tech house is that mind numbing just bass kick bleep bleep, bleep. Yeah, minimum kind of. Uh, it, it's a bit raw, but it's so it's so mono, uh, uh, monotone and and boring. I love the fact that you picked it. That nowadays fills the container 
tech house and for me tech house is 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 yeah so so much different um so putting it in labels and putting it in boxes is not really my 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 preference so i just like to, if music is good it's good then it, it deserves a spot to be played and it it diver, the, 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 the deserves to be heard and if it's trans or techno i don't care uh, yeah, I'm the same. I, I, I delve into, I try to find a quality hidden gem. So when I'm looking for my music, I tend to, that's how I came across yourself. I happened to play one progressive track in a trance set at the beginning. And one of the guys, one of the listeners turned around and said to me, like, DTM, I think you should do more of this. So I, sat, I, I delved more in. I was like, right, I'll look, I'll look at progressive side of things. But I wasn't looking at house side, trance. I was just looking at progressive as a whole. And the sounds that I liked, and as I say, and I came across yourself and then some other progressive producers, and I thought, like, that it's not a new sound, it's just a sound that I think as age I've grown into, rather than sticking to that trance genre for so many years. And as you said, it's the people giving it slash genre this, slash genre that, you don't know what this is, you don't know what that is. Sounds today are the same sounds 20 years ago, but it's got a different genre name to it. It's down to your perspective, what you like and what you want to put out there for the listeners, I think. I think you do that, but your, your, your productions in general, like, <coughs> the, your productions are only, like, too long. They're at least five, between five and seven minutes. You get a good, nice set to mix with. The drop in your tracks is second to none. And then just those high notes that they hit at times. I think if someone listens to that type of music, you, you get that feel for it. So I think you, I think you're... Like, I listened to your stuff from years ago and I listened to what you've done now. I think you're, just now, you've nailed it. And I think you've got that right sound for, for that genre, just to keep yeah. it going. Yeah, the funny yeah. thing is, because th th those are the records that are out there now, I've, g I've got one lying around, which is actually old school, almost disco, with actually trumpets and uh, ta-da-da! But uh, we're, we're still looking for a great vocalist to sing on that because it, it lacks that last thing. And if I play that, you go like, what? Is that you also? Yeah, and that's me also. So st still just... Tr and st also, if you look at my first release, which somehow, funny enough, was a remix for a trance track. Somehow. <laughs> I ended with trance and I started out with trance, but... The, the Timekeeper series on uh, on uh, on XCM or Exceptional Music, uh, th that was a, a trilogy, one, two, and three. And one and three are are from me, and two are the remixes by Northern Project. You you can hear my progression production-wise, but also my creative journey. I was starting again because, and for some people, it's like, for, for me, it's a compliment that people say, oh, you can hear that you... Uh, you have you have that old sound in it, and young people go like, "Oh, old sound." That's uh, that's not. But for me, it's a compliment because that's my heritage. That that's my roots. That's and, and I still like to put that in my music. And I think I still make for oh, even what you say. I, I dialed down that that genre, but I think I still make odd choices to that genre to be real loyal to the genre itself because um i don't i don't read rule, rule books and i don't comply <laughs> no, you, but you i don't care like <laughs> yeah. no, you, you're you've had that 
idea all along and now you're just sounds like you're finally developing that sound that you've always been influenced by and wanted to develop certainly your your last track that you just had out the something you get yeah uh i was really struggling which one to pick because i love them both yeah they're both I ended up going with the extended one but the other northern project one had that kind of lovely trance and yeah. melody that feel to it but yeah the original one out for me and that's probably what i like most about your productions is that you you do like timescape you you bring in different versions of that same track uh and it was something they used to do a lot in the 90s and italian stuff like with mario Picotto and uh, the, the the labels in you would have a disco version you would have a trans version then you'd have a euro club version yeah, club and mix. really, that now that you're you've got that kind of thing going, uh, you're going to the bankrupt in me from having to get all your friends <laughs> now. I'll hold my hands. I've I've been busy this weekend. I've not even purchased. I've not even purchased it yet. I think was it out? Was it out on Friday? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've still not picked up yet, but I'll probably will at this point this week anyway. Yeah, and 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 the funny thing is. Um, it's a collaboration. I was I already had that track for, I had a, a arrangement there for I, I think five to seven minutes. We're gonna do a, a making of a, a, a video of it uh, because the, the label asked that. But I have to set it up with Sandre because uh, he's in Germany, I'm in Holland, so we have to do that in in a digital way. And yeah. the track could have been finished. I could have sent it out, but I was like, it's missing something. And I just was bold enough. I, I met Sandre through Instagram and we, we uh, released on the same label, Sun Explosion. And then you get into a sort of yeah small community, liking each other's mm -hmm. releases, getting interested. In, and that I, I mailed him, would you be uh, interested in a, in a collaboration? And he said, yeah, because I think we have the same kind of vibe. And I sent him the track and I said, you have no limits in what you want to do with it. And funny enough, he had he had some he he put in ideas which I had in my head, but because I was stuck somewhere in the creative process, uh, never got around to. And he and, and this is the, uh, the the result, which I'm very happy with. Nice. And I think it's it's a track that is hard to define by genre because is it progressive? Is it housey? There's some trance in it, but there's also a, a tech feel to it. I don't know. It's uh, but, I but, think that's where that genre, um, melodic technos came because a lot of them are using that old uh, synths, that trans synth package or that, and they're 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 making a great blend between old style trance and current techno things, and I, I'm loving it. I'm loving the revival of old classic trance tracks that have got that techno twist to it, but like artists like Umek. Or uh, T97, who are giving them that little uh, harder edge. It's the same with you guys. You're you're cleverly balanced between that the the, the genre where you, you just can't say it's one or the other. Or should I say it would work in either either setup? Yep. 
and and the guys of, of Northern Project, I met Lars, which is one half of Northern Project, finished the other half. I met them. I met Lars in the in the community I was talking about earlier, where they are investing in Somnium space and that kind of stuff. Because a guy of called Blake Hodge had a, a a Twitch show where you can drop your track and he would give. They would do have a, a sort of not really feedback, but they just listen to the tracks and and and. Uh, yeah, you you get posi- positive response because it it wasn't really feedback. It was more, um, and Blake and and in that community I met Lars and I heard that he 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 had something unique to him. He's very he's a he's a melody king. Give him a few notes and he makes a melody. Whether it's an arp or a lead, he's a melody king, and he made a track uh, called uh, Cashmere. Which was really uh, a good track, but it, it it just circled in that community, and I took that track to a label, and I got it signed for him, and from there on we started develop the the musical relationship, and now we talk to each other almost daily, uh, over the internet because they are in Norway, I'm I'm here in Holland, and we started collaborating, and we we started to help each other, and and yeah, this is this is going a good way, and we we influence each other. They make me some. They make some of my tracks just more transy. I make their tracks just some more techy. Uh, we we both have a, a certain signature signature style uh, that is recognized in which elements are from who. And now we uh, actually are working with a very good singer uh, wi- uh, together, and I think we're we're ha- heading for other great stuff. I have a a track here which is called "Away from You," which is actually pretty progressive melodic, and and you can really Lars had a melody idea. I did the full production, and we all the other way around. We also have I have a great idea, and they did the full production, and then it's more trendy. But in the end, it's all good music. It sounds like you're you, in, in, producing. You're in the ideal place now. Just uh, knocking out. How do you do? You see, like an album, something like that. A compilation in the future? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, it, it might. I, I, the problem is, all the releases are scattered over over different different labels. Labels. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and that makes it hard to make it an album. I'm. Uh, I'm also uh, following uh, Funk the Void on his Twitch Twitch channel, and something funny Another happened. Lark. Uh, <laughs> I, I put my tracks in there for feedback uh, once in a while, and uh, he, for me, he, he's a, an all time hero. With Diabla, but that's an amazing record. I played it completely grey, <laughs> um, and f- so it's an honor for me to have him listen to my tracks and 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 giving me the thumbs up on what I'm making, um, which to me is is an is is another golden moment. I don't need anybody else if he <laughs> if he says it's okay. My week is, and uh, if he has p- good feedback, I'll I'll put it to use, and. Uh, where was I going with this? Um, uh, in that community, uh, I also start to collaborate. But the most important thing is that he 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 helps you, which is great. For and uh, I, I lost it. I lost where we were going with this. That's my problem. I, I, I so the fact that you mentioned Funk Devoid is people who live in Glasgow. Maybe not so much Dave, but I grew up on Soma. Yeah, There's a Soma mix that I've got on my profile, and for me, Funk the Void, Silicon Soul, Slam, yeah. 
Um, I used to go and see IBO. Oh yeah, Percy X. He was kind of more techno. He's he's now called Edit Select. But yeah, I I watch Lars too. I watch him on his Twitch when he's doing those tracks, and then it is. Ah, I know again great. where we were going, because what happened is um, I also have a track that is called Sketches, which is really more a techno track, and I put it in his. He has on his Twitch channel, on his Discord channel, he has this. Yeah. You can apply for the compilation. He's doing a, a break a breakthrough compilation uh, number two, and. I, for, I totally forgot I placed my track there uh, because that was months ago and that track actually uh, got signed and will be a vinyl release by, by the end of the year because uh, one of the labels I, I'm, I'm working with has a, a 25th uh, uh, anniversary. They are 25 years old and they're bringing out an uh, a anniversary release on vinyl and my tr uh, I have two tracks on that. Uh, I forgot that it was there, and Lars mailed me. Can you please send me the pre-master because uh, I'm gonna put you on my compilation. So again, that was a golden moment because Funk the Void wants to have me on his breakthrough compilation. Sadly enough, but also luckily enough, I already signed the track to a label which gonna put it's gonna put it on vinyl. So I chose to honor that agreement. Uh, so it's not gonna be on on uh, Lars's uh, uh, compilation. But hey, he asked me. To put it on, so uh, to me that's great, man. Funk the Void asking me for a track. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you, see when I seen your Spotify list and you put Dave Angel on, I was like, wow, probably more in common with you music wise than I realized. And here you are talking about Funk the Void, or yeah, Diablo. Uh, that that tune for me just is the pinnacle of his his emotion and uh, that goes into that track is just for me you don't get much better than that yeah it's 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 like a diamond from the past it really is still is and um yeah you have those tracks that stick you stick with you for years and years and years one of those is for instance i think that's a bit more known because under underworld is more popular or more known to the to the big big crowds but dark and long that that track you can play it anytime, any 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 week of the day, any any time on the day because that's a super track. The same goes for uh, LFO LFO versus Fuse. You can wake me up for it. Those kind of tracks that's that's that, that made early nineties to 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 today still relevant to me. I think that's yeah, the same as the one, yeah. They still hold up today. I mean, the production back then compared to now. As I say, I find that more people are probably uh, going back to that. Uh, not so much reinventing it, but just kind of paying homage, if you like, to that sound. Reworking it. I'm, I would say more of a rework rather than remixes of these old tracks. Or pinging out again across every genre, I think. I mean, it's... Which if you're a producer back then, if you look at yourself and you see that these DJs are bringing these things out again to say that this track was released in 1997, 1998, and then 2022 they're bringing out a rework of that, and they're paying homage to that, and they could have been four, five, six years of age when they, when they probably first heard that track. So it just shows you that those styles back then, leading right up to now, as you said, 
you can wake up to that track you can wake up to that music even in this day and age yeah like there's also this track um, um go west we all know go west by the petro boys yeah yeah and there's this brilliant remix made of it by kevin saunderson not not much people people know it but because it's it, it doesn't hold mo- much resemblance to the original anymore. But these kind of things just pop up now and then. And uh, and then you, in the production, you can hear it's it's an older thing because really the, the digital age did bring thicker and, 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 and much better productions. Uh, funny thing is we all want to sound it, to, to sound it, have it sounding analog again. But the combination of those two really is, yeah, make the music production progress very, very far. But... Yeah, the, the, those tracks just keep popping up, and uh, they they still make my heart beat extra fast when I hear it, and uh, and that's why I know I never lost the love for the music. I just lo- lost the love for the business. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's a, a good point to wrap up on things. Is there anything else you want to let listeners know? Uh, I know you've got uh, stuff coming out. Yeah, the, the, the 24th of March, I have a, a solo track coming out. It's an instrumental and a vocal. It's called, it's called Take Me Home, which is, I think we really can call that melodic. Um, um, I have done two remixes for Addictive Sounds, which are coming out in April and May successively. Um, Superordinate just asked me to do a remix as well. That that take me out track, uh, take me home track is coming out on Superordinate, and Superordinate just asked me to do a remix for one of their artists, and I think that's about due. My deadline is twenty four March, so I hope it's it's out in in a month or three after that. Uh, I s- just signed a track to uh, Dark City Music of Kennedy One, um, a, a, a kind of laid back. Check how well he asked me what 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 did I think kind of house it was just to place it. I think it's between organic and progress progressive. It's it's just it's a mellow track. So um, yeah, quite busy. And 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 and, and uh, we have about two tracks on the verge of being ready with Northern Project. We're just gonna find have to find some labels or uh, to put it out on. So yeah, quite busy here. Good. <laughs> That's what you want, no? Your love, your love for the music keeps you busy and keeps you going. Yeah, and uh, I have to. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm lucky. I had a. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I have an injury on my leg. I, 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 uh, I, um, I have a rupture in my Achilles heel. How do you call it in in English? The, your yeah, 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 Achilles. Yeah, and that 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 bounced me to to my home since the end of november i i can walk again now but uh uh so i had a lot of time to spend uh, behind the, the the studio uh without neglecting my family because that they are still number one my my wife and my two brilliant kids but the kids also love to come in the studio and dance on the music i'm making so that's that's rewarding on the spot if you see your own kids like putting their hands in the air on a tune you're making golden moment and that's why i'm in for it it's it's like my my other bios on spotify say it's all about the passion for the music and uh, if i need a business to get it out there that's uh, that's okay but i'm not letting me lead uh, it must not be leading anymore the music must be leading if that means 
I don't reach that high, I don't care. And if I if if my tracks get gets listened by to one when one guy or girl and that he, he or she emails me great track golden moment. That's it. As long as it makes impact to one person, that's all matters. Whether you're playing to one or a hundred. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much how we go on every week when we play the show. Well, thanks for your time, Lars. Uh, Lars, you're gonna be Lars in my head. Sorry. <laughs> So many Lars on the go. <laughs> Sorry, Bram. Yeah, no, no problem. No problem. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, 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 I love the fact that you you say fuck the void. No, I just feel like I'm literally like this kind of that small world syndrome where even though we're in totally different countries, we're pretty much lived the kind of same musical journey. And uh, I, I, that's part of why we do these podcasts because it's great to get to know you as an individual and just put that 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 joy and love that you have out to the public to let them know. So uh, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for listening to the Like Creative Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram at Loud Creative Radio. Thanks, folks, and we'll see you again. Thank you for listening to the Loud Creative Podcast. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and give us a follow on Instagram at Loud Creative Radio.